The psalmist says, Thy help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. This morning we just got to read and sing together Psalm 121, um, an absolutely gorgeous psalm that has meant quite a bit much to people uh, throughout the ages, and it is considered one of the Psalms of Ascent, a Psalm of Ascent. And if you were to pull out the Pew Bible in front of you or a Bible you had at home, you would likely see in very teeny tiny letters at the start, in italicized letters, a Song of Ascent. That's where we get it from. It's part of the Hebrew text. It tells us that this is the genre of the psalm, and there's 15 of them, uh, beautiful psalms. Uh, they all have that same heading, a psalm of ascent. It's numbers 120 to 134, and they're fantastic and really run the gamut of emotions, uh, from joy to penitence and from despair to hope and pretty much everything in between. But they're short, easily memorized, and were probably sung quite a bit by people in Israel. Many scholars think that these psalms were sung um, as faithful Jewish men and women would make the journey to Jerusalem and then ascend up Mount Zion, hence ascent. They would literally make the ascent up the mountain to Jerusalem. And they would come for this during the three main feasts in the Jewish faith, during Passover, the Feast of Weeks, and the Feast of Booths. And it's quite possible that Psalm 121 itself was particularly song sung as they got closer and closer to Jerusalem and could see it far off. The pilgrims that were coming had left the safety of their homes. They are coming closer and closer to Jerusalem, the city of God. And as they look at the hilly regions surrounding Jerusalem, they realize they're in dangerous territory. There are thieves, wild animals, and cliffs that can threaten their lives. The blazing sun is beating down upon them, and heat stroke is a real possibility. And as they look at all these hills, many of which at some point may have had pagan temples set up on them, they ask, where is my help to come from? And then they see it. That one. My help comes from the Lord. My help comes from the Lord. The answer is clear. That's where our help comes from. God would be with them. He would protect them and keep these people safe as they make their pilgrimage, as they get closer and closer to their goal, Jerusalem, the city of God himself. What a great message of hope for these ancient travelers, that they are kept safe by God himself as they get closer to the goal. But quite honestly, this psalm has been a great psalm of travelers throughout the ages, not just for the ancient Hebrews. It's actually been called the Psalm for Travelers. James Montgomery Boyce, a great Presbyterian pastor who served the church in Philadelphia for over 30 years uh, before his passing, he tells a story about how his mother, whenever they would get in the car for a long journey, would pray this psalm as they started off. David Livingston is said to have prayed this psalm before he began his journeys in Africa. It's been a great blessing to people as they've journeyed, as they've traveled, as they've been pilgrims. And I think it's a great psalm for us too as we walk our lifelong journey through life. We too are traveling. We're traveling to the city of God. Not the earthly Jerusalem, but the heavenly one that awaits us at the end. 
There we will dwell with the Lord God Almighty and with his Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and we will be with him and enjoy him forever and ever. And as we walk through this journey, where does our help come from? Our help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The answer is crystal clear for us too. Just look at how marvelously this psalm describes our Lord and God. If you've got it in front of you and you're so inclined, just pick it up and take a look at all the different things each stanza has to say. It says our, it, God won't let our foot be moved. He'll keep us from slipping off the path. That beautiful um, passage that Phoebe read to us from 2 Timothy, it says all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, reproof, correction, and training. It's our GPS. It shows us where we're supposed to go, and when we get off track, it recalculates and corrects us, reproves us, brings us back where we should go, and trains us to stay on that right track. God's Holy Spirit does the same thing for us. The psalm also says it keeps watch over Israel. It uses that language of keeping watch five or six times throughout it. And he keeps watch over all of Israel, his chosen people, all of them. This now includes us. But not only that, not only does he keep watch over all of Israel, he keeps watch over you as an individual. All the uses of you in this passage are all singular. So you could insert your own name. God keeps watch over BJ, over Mac, over Carrie, and everyone else. You could put your own name in there. I guess pray for whatever that is. Um, may God keep watch over them too. <laughs> Right? God knows us each and every one of us by name, and he cares about you specifically. Our God never slumbers. He never sleeps. He never looks away. He doesn't miss anything, and this is good, good news. Alexander the Great was once asked how he could sleep soundly at night knowing so many people want him dead. That's a fair question. <laughs> right? And he says, well, as long as Parmenio... My personal guard is awake and watching. I know I'm safe, so I can be at peace and go to sleep. And as long as our God, our helper, our guardian, is looking over us and keeping watch, we too can be at peace and know we're secure and sleep soundly, knowing that he has us in his hands. Yes, he's got the whole world in his hands, but our Lord God cradles us in his arms. The psalm also says that the Lord is a shade uh, that protects us. It's like a mother hen shielding her chicks from the rain or from the beating sun. And in God we find shade, a place of peace, of rest, safety, refreshment, both with the sun, with the moon, day and night, all the time. He never sleeps, he never lets up, so his protection is there all the time. And he keeps us safe as we walk ever closer and closer to the goal, his eternal kingdom. Our Lord God, our helper and our guardian, watches over us wherever we are, whatever we're doing, and especially whatever we're going, where he is specifically leading us. I experienced this firsthand on a mission trip to Mexico 20, 25 years ago. Um, a friend of mine and I, uh, a female friend of mine and I, we went down with our church and we were hoping to spend a month down in Merida, Mexico, helping not just our church with a mission trip, but several other churches as well. 
Unfortunately, the airline went on strike after we got down there. Fortunately, the rest of our group was able to get out, but the other groups weren't able to come in. So we had like two weeks of nothing to do. And the people down there panicked. We can't have this unmarried man and woman staying in the same place. That's improper. We'll take BJ over here, Jenny over there. And I'm like, wait, where? I don't speak Spanish. I don't know where she is. I have no cell phone. What are you doing? It was absolutely terrifying because we didn't have any idea whether we'd get out, when we'd get out, when we'd see each other, how far apart we were. The one person I know in this whole country have no idea where she is. That night as I'm going to bed in a kind of a group room and sleeping in my, getting ready to sleep in my hammock, one of the Mexican men down there who did not speak much English says to me, good night my friend. And he says it in English. And there was something about that where I felt God speaking to me saying, it's okay, I've got you in this. And after a day or two of being apart, the people down there were able to find an appropriate arrangement for us to stay um, at the seminary down there. And we got to work on other projects we didn't expect to work on. So we met people we didn't expect to meet, doing things we didn't expect to do, and we even got to experience a little bit of what it's like to live in Mexico, not just visit. It ended up being fabulous and a wonderful time and very memorable and impactful in my life. I saw God at work. I saw God at work in wonderful ways because he helped, he protected, he provided in a very scary situation. And thanks be to God, we actually you know, made it home, so that's good. But why do we need God's help so much? Well, it's because we're not promised an easy, pain-free life, are we? We're just not. And I think many of us know that more intimately and deeply than some of the others of us. In fact, Jesus was very clear that we wouldn't have this pain-free, peaceful, happy uh, life all the time. He tells his disciples in the Gospel of John, in this world, you will have troubles. Thanks, Jesus. <laughs> Got any more words of encouragement? You know, it's a great pep talk right there. Appreciate it. I mean, of course he's right. And I appreciate his honesty. We all face trials and dangers like those of the pilgrims heading towards Jerusalem, both individually, like when we face job loss or broken relationships or sin and temptation that's always crouching right at the door, or when people put unrealistic demands upon us, or we or our loved ones suffer severe illness, or one of our loved ones passes away, or just the ongoing and ever-piling stress upon our shoulders as we walk through this world. But there's also trials and dangers for us collectively as God's church here, and for us specifically. We're continuing to go through this rector search process. That's difficult. That has challenges. We need God's help. We're continuing to recover and grow after two and a half years of dealing with this pandemic. And that puts lots of stress and pressure upon us. And of course, we're continuing to build back our attendance and our financial security of what it used to look like and be. And there's a lot heaped up on us. And it can feel overwhelming and problematic. The journey of life is hard, very hard, and we need help, even if we don't like to admit it, which let's face it, 
None of us do. How often have we said, no, 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 I'm good. I can handle this. I know what I'm doing. I've got it. Only to see everything blow up at our faces. We like to think that with our brains, our strength, our skills, our abilities, our input, our insights, and everything else, that we can do whatever we want. Whatever we put our mind to do, we can do. And yet we know deep down that's not the case, even when we don't want to admit it. At our old house in Montgomery Village, we had an overhang that needed some paint because the HOA was getting angry with us, and they're terrifying. So I set up a ladder, put it out there, I got a brush, I got some paint, I was good to go. One problem, I am terrified of heights. <laughs> and I do not like ladders. But Kimberly was several months pregnant, and I was the man of the house, so I was going to paint that spot and be the hero and save the day. I've got this. I know what I'm doing. Halfway up that ladder, I realized I can't do it. I need some help. So I climbed back down the ladder, and I got some help. And let me tell you, I felt really manly as holding that ladder as my pregnant wife climbed <laughs> up that ladder <laughs> to paint that overhang. Thank you, Kimberly. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I needed help. I didn't want to admit it, but I needed it. I couldn't do this by myself, but thank God Kimberly was there for me to fix the problem. And let's all just face it and be honest, we all need help in life. We can't do it ourselves. But fortunately, we're not alone. Someone is there for us. Yes, Jesus said, in this world you will have troubles. But immediately afterwards, he says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. We are not alone. The creator of heaven and earth is with us. The one who overcame the world through his own death and resurrection is with us. The Lord is our helper. He is our strength, a very present help in trouble in all times and in all places, no matter what we're going through. And this is why I think Jesus tells his disciples to pray constantly and not lose heart in our gospel reading this morning. It's all because of how good the God of Psalm 121 is. He is nothing like the judge in Jesus' parable. That judge doesn't care a lick about God, about people, or about justice at all. He cares about himself. That's it. And so when a widow, a vulnerable woman with no social standing or support comes to get justice, he doesn't care at all until she constantly nags at him, until he gives in. It's like the rumors I've heard about having children, right? Can I play a game on your phone? No. Can I play a game on your phone? No. Can I play a game on your phone? No. Can I play a game on your phone? Fine, take the dumb phone, just leave me alone, <laughs> right? We've all been through this. This is that judge. And if a wicked, self-centered judge or someone like me finally gives in, how much more will a God who loves you come to your aid? If this selfish judge can do it, God will do it all the more. Unlike the judge, our God is swift to listen, and he is ready to act. He actually cares about people, he cares about you, he cares about justice, and about doing what is best. 
He is loving enough to care about your most intimate needs and powerful enough to do something great and wondrous about them, but doing what's best, even if that makes no sense to us in the moment. I used to love how Father Ed would say this. He would say, yes, life is hard. There's a lot going out there. I can't explain it all, but God's wisdom is greater than mine. His ways are better than mine. So I trust him to make the right decisions and I'll follow him. But when I get to heaven, I've got questions. <laughs> so my dear friends, keep walking. Keep walking on the journey that God has given you. Keep walking towards that ultimate goal, the heavenly city of God where you will get to dwell with him forever. Step out in faith wherever he calls you in the meantime. Because as Pastor David Burns has rightly understood, when we are busy following where God leads us, God assumes the responsibility for our safety and our shame. He assumes responsibility for our lives. That's good news. Keep praying. You're going to need help along the way. Don't ever forget that God is your helper. He's our helper, but he's yours specifically. Draw near to him often. Bask in his presence and lay all of your burdens down at his feet. And don't lose heart. The trials and troubles of this world make us want to quit, to give up, to do something else, to go somewhere else. But take heart. Christ has overcome the world. He is with you, even in the darkest days of your life, even when you feel most alone. Keep walking. Keep praying. Don't lose heart. Because God has been our help in ages past. He is our hope for years to come. He is our shelter in the stormy blast. And God is our eternal home. Amen.